Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. So Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Thank you for clarity, Lord. I thank you for your Holy Spirit ministering through me, Lord. I can't do this, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I thank you, Father God, for the ability to share what you've given me to your people. I thank you, your people, as ears to hear. Anyone who's listening on the internet or listens to this in the future, they're listening to it by invitation of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father God, that it'll bless them, encourage them, and help us, Lord, to see more clearly the plan that you have for us, the will that you have for us, and how we are to lead our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13 and verse 1. I've entitled this message, Don't Let the Grasshoppers Stop You. You know, in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11, it tells us that these things were written about the children of Israel for our admonition, for our learning, for our, for our, uh, for examples for us. I mean, if you were driving your car to a destination and you came to a Y on the road and uh, the both roads went to the same place, however, one road says that there's trees falling down here, there's broken bridges down this land, there's bandits, there's strife and there's division, and there's every problem that you could ever think of. However, this other road goes straight to your destination through green pastures by still waters. Which road are you going to take? You're going to take the road that has no problems. You're going to take the good road. So people of uh, Israel, the children of Israel had went through all these things so that we could have examples not to finish up in the same pickle as they did in different circumstances and situations. In chapter 13 of Numbers and verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I have given unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers, ye shall send a man, every one a ruler among them. So, what God instructed Moses to do in this situation was to send uh, spies into the land of abundance, the land of Canaan, the land that God had given them. It said in his scripture here that God had given them this land. The people in Canaan already knew that they were coming. They knew they were afraid of them. You know, they had seen what had happened to the Israel or to the to the Egyptians, how the Israelites, the children of God, had walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, and how the whole Egyptian army was swallowed up by the waters and drowned. They had seen the miracles that had happened for them. They had seen that they were led by a pillar of fire at nighttime, a cloud in the daytime, and how they got manna from heaven and how the quails had blew, and they knew they were hard afraid. There was no fight in the Canaanites. There was no fight in the people who were in that land. However, God encouraged Moses to send people in to spy out the land. Essentially what it was is a reconnaissance operation, a military explanation scouting to obtain 
information about the enemy forces and the terrain. He wasn't sending them in there to see if it was possible to take the land. He was sending them in there to put a plan together to go in and take and possess the land which God had already given them. However, out of the 12 spies that went into Canaan land to spy it out, only two came back with a good report. Ten came back with a bad report. And if we turn to uh, Verse 30 of the same chapter, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report. Now, what's an evil report? That's a report that's contradictory to whatever the report of the Lord is. Whose report we used to sing are you going to believe? We are going to believe the report of the Lord. Glory to the living God. And they brought an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone and searched it is a land that eateth up its inhabitants thereof. All the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants, and we are in our own sight as grasshoppers. So how did they see themselves? This is what the problem is. They seen themselves as grasshoppers. They didn't see themselves as how God seen themselves. They had a grasshopper in mentality. How they saw themselves was the biggest problem. I mean, 10 of the 12 spies come back with a bad report, and they listened to the bad report. According to the word of the Lord and the conference that we just had, one of the things that we were encouraged about was there are some things we need to overcome or possess in our near future. That was a specific word for this church, for the people of this church. There are things that we are going to overcome or possess in our near future. How you see yourself matters. The Bible says in Psalm or Proverbs 23 and verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I mean, if you've got a poor me mentality, oh, it never happens to me. Oh, everyone ever get, always gets it. I always run into problems, nothing straightforward. I am a poor me. You're never going to get anywhere. You have that in your heart, and out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Another word that we got from the conference was to contend for faith. You know, the Bible says in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. There's a fight to get that abundant life. You have a fight to receive it. You cannot let apathy in your life. Apathy is a state of suppression of emotions and a lack of interest or enthusiasm. You cannot let that in your life. The Bible says that you are to stir yourself up. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 says, I remind you that you stir up the gift of God which is in you. I mean, sometimes we can get apathetic. And the devil takes advantage of that. It's a bit like a story I heard one time 
where the the frog was in the pot of water. And it was relaxing in the pot of water, but the pot of water was sitting on on the gas ring. And the water started to boil. And the more the water got, the frog relaxed and fell asleep. It finished up boiled in the water. And the French people eat his legs. We cannot be in a state of apathy. We need to stir ourselves up. Don't let yourself go flat. Stir up what's in you. I mean, if the Apostle Paul told Peter, or told Timothy, to stir himself up, he must have been flat. And no matter you, you can get flat. You can let yourself get flat, but you don't need to let yourself. You need to contend for the faith. It's a bit like a slow puncher. You know, if you have a slow puncher in your car, you mean, if you blow it up every couple of days, you know, you'll get away with it, you know, if you have a slow puncher. But if you let it go, and let it go, and let it go, what happens is you have a flat wheel, and then you're running around looking for a jack, and have no jack or no wheel brace and all sorts of problems. And that wheel is no good to you. You need to keep it inflated. I mean, if you have a fire in your house, like a, a fire in the winter, I certainly don't need one, glory to God, for the wonderful summer we're having, but if you have a fire in your house in the winter time and you light it, and you put stuff on it all night to keep the house warm, how many of you know when you get up in the morning, it's out, You need to keep kindling it. You need to rekindle the gift of God that's in the inside of you. You know, I recently had two canoes which are sold, but only one of them had a set of oars. I mean, whenever you're in this life doing the things of God, you need to keep your oars in the water. It's easy for you to forget that you have not got your oars in the water and be floating back and floating about and floating. You know, to go against this world system, you need to put your paddles in the water and you need to point you in your destination, and you need to go to it. If you're not doing that, you're going to float into the water rapids, float into the side of the river. You, you know, many years ago, <laughs> I used to do work with my daddy. And my daddy would have says to me, hold that light on that there till, to, you know, till I fix it. And I'd have been holding the light on it, and he'd have been working away at it. And the next thing, I'd have been looking around me, and the light would have went off the, the thing. And he'd have said, put the light back on that there. Well, I thought it was on it. And then he looked around and I was amazed that it wasn't on it. How many of you know the Bible says that you need to attend to my word? The Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 20, attend to my words. I mean, if you're going to attend to something, somebody comes and says to you, can you know if I have to attend to this? You attend to God's word. And we need to attend to the word of God. You know, a footballer that plays football, one of the things that he can do is take his eye off the ball. And if he takes his eye off the ball and he's looking somewhere else, maybe where he's going to put it, next thing the ball's away and the opposition gets it. You need to keep your eye on the ball. When it comes to the Word of God, you need to keep your eye on what is going on. We need to stay focused. And the Bible says we need to hold on to what we've got. We need to contend for it. It says that in Revelation 3. Hold on to, contend for what you've got. The Bible tells us we need to fight the good fight of faith. You should always have a fight in you. It's a good fight. A good fight is a fight that's already won. The victory is ours and the battle is the Lord. It's already won, but we need to turn up for the battle. We don't give up. And if you don't give up, you will always win. I mean, if you always keep on going and never give up, you'll always win. How do I know that? 2 Corinthians 2.14 says... But thanks be to God, which sometimes causes us to triumph in Christ. No, always. 
But what's our part? We need to keep on going. So don't let the devil steal your shout. Don't let it, don't, and don't lose your fight. See yourself as a victor, and don't see yourself as a victim. We are victors. Are you a grasshopper, or are you a giant slayer? The grasshopper was the mentality of how they seen themselves. You will come against things in your life that may seem giants. You know, we're in this world, and things will come against us. But as long as we continue in faith and come against them, I mean, if it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's not God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So if it's not good and perfect and it's coming against you, it's coming against the Word of God, you need to say what the Word says. I mean, don't ever face your giant with your mouth shut. How many know your words are important? What you say is important. You know, say what the Word says. Don't say what the situation says. We play to win. We, we, we don't give up. You know, whenever I was a wee fella, you know, we used to play football out in the fields. But not everybody in them days had a football. And I mean, if you did have a football, you looked after it. A football in the East, like nowadays, children of footballs lying all over the place. But whenever we were growing up, I'll tell you one thing, if you had a football, you looked after it. Because not everybody had one. What a football was in them days was, you know, a leather ball with laces in it. And if you didn't look after that leather ball, you know, rub it with Vaseline to keep the water out of it. I mean, if you just let it lay outside in the rain, you went ahead, it was like heading that wall. <laughs> you know, you had to look after it. And not everybody had a football. And sometimes in the country, what we'd have done was, we'd have maybe, you know, a few people, and we'd have had two teams. And whoever had the football, they always won. They always won the match. Do you know why they always won the match? Because it was their football, and they played their win. It didn't matter how much they were getting beat, but they carried on to their won. If the other team walked off the pitch, they knocked it into the net enough times they won. Well, our father's the referee. He's the one who's in charge. He's our mediator. He's our go-to, and he will always cause us to triumph. Our job is to keep going. Oh, it doesn't look like I'm winning. We'll just keep playing. <laughs> You know, if it doesn't look like you're winning in whatever area, whatever you're believing for, keep playing. You are not a grasshopper. You are a king and a priest. Romans 8 verse 37 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What's it mean to be more than a conqueror? It means that Jesus has conquered for you. He's conquered death in the grave and he's handed you the victory. God loves you. Jesus loves me. You know, whenever I was a child, my grandmother, Margaret Davison, used to take me in what I used to think was the back of the house, but it was actually the front of the house, into the living room, and I can remember vividly in my mind, I can see it to this day, and it's back when I was just a toddler, like Harley, Harley's age there. She just sang to me at the top of her voice and trained me to sing, Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me this I know. When I was trained from that was a child, I don't care what age you are, do not uh, underestimate the impact that you have on children. Children of the next generation. You know, I went to a secular school and my primary school teacher was a lady called Mrs. Grace, Grace Cragen, a wonderful lady. 
taught us of God's love and how Jesus died for us. From when I was four years old, back in 1969, she used to sing a song, and we sang along with her. I remember it, and I can see us doing it yet. There is a green hill far away without a city wall. Where our dear Lord was crucified, he died to save us all. We may not know, we cannot tell what pains he had to bear, but we believe it was for us he hung and suffered, suffered there. Never underestimate the positive impact your children get from a godly Christian school teacher. Praise God for Grace Cregan and for the godly influence she had over hundreds of children. In that little primary school in Bluestone, County Armagh, pray for Sharon and this school that's starting up here. Stand in agreement with her and stand for this church. Contend for it. You know, in that little school in Bluestone, it was only a little country school. I mean, we didn't even have flushing toilets. Would you believe that? Didn't even have flushing toilets. But I'll tell you what, I can still see Mrs. Cregan teaching us the principles of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never underestimate the impact that that'll have on your children. Contend for, pray for your children, and pray for the school. We should contend for our church in prayer and do whatever we need to do for our church building, for our church family. We should look at what the Word says in relation to that. James 3 and verse 16 says, For where there's envy and strife, there is confusion on every evil work. How many evil works is every evil work? That's a lot. One of the devil's devices is to bring in strife. Never let it into your church. Contend for your church. Stand for your church. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The Bible tells us that we are not ignorant of his devices. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. We know what's coming against us. We know what to stand. We need to contend for it. We don't need to be grasshoppers and shy away when situations or contradictions come to our church. We stand up for our church. We stand up for the move of God. Don't let strife in. Pray and stand up for your church and for your pastors. Look after this building. At tea time, sometimes I watch a a, a, a program on television at tea time there when I come in and Paul has my tea ready from working out or whatever I'm working at. And there's a program on TV that I really like. It's called Flog It. And in Flog It, people bring in all sorts of junk, but it's really exciting, you know. Whenever somebody brings in some painting or something, and all of a sudden they say, well, you know, this is worth a lot of money. And I get a kick out of watching that. But one of the things that grieves me a little bit in it is sometimes they bring it into a wonderful big cathedral that was built for the presence of God. And there they are having a market in it. And then after that, they take it to an auction house. And the auction house is once what was a move of God. Maybe these auction houses are old, you know, mission halls and stuff that are no longer in use because the world has taken them over. And there they're having an auction house in it. We need to contend for our church. Contend for the move of God. Don't take it lightly. Stir yourself up. Be committed. Get in here. Sit in under the word. You know, a few years ago, I went to the Edinburgh Tattoo, which is a marvelous big festival, and the fires are lit in the walls, and the, the kilty bands is playing, and they're marching, and I really enjoy it. But my heart was really 
discouraged. When I walked up that mall to that big castle to watch that show, there was a wonderful big cathedral. And here hadn't they turned it into a pub and a nightclub, a place where the presence of God should have been. The devil was in it. And all it was was a, was a, was a, a, a rubbish place for alcohol and drinking and dear knows what else was going on. It. That's not what it was made for. And that's what will happen if you don't contend for the move of God. Mark 11 and chapter, Mark chapter 11 and verse 15, talking of Jesus. And they came on to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. I would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught them, saying, Is it not written, my house is called of all nations the house of prayer, but they've turned it into a den of thieves. Look after, contend for the church, for the church building. My pastor used to say, if you don't use it, you lose it. Stir yourself up. Get behind it. Don't let the devil in. In the church, we have pastors of outstanding integrity, so financially in the church. Get behind this vision. So in faith, contend for your personal prosperity. Jesus became poor so that you could be rich. You contend for financial breakthrough in your life. You take the word of God and contend for it. Looking into 2 Corinthians and chapter 9. And verse 6 it says, But I say unto you, who's you? That's me. He who soweth spurnly shall reap also spurnly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Say, that's me. That ye always have an all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. If you're in a position to abound of every good work, you're in a position God wants you to be in. That means whatever's coming up, if it's a school, if it's a camp, if it's a, a conference, if it's, you know, sowing into missionaries, into people who sow the gospel throughout the earth, that's what you should be doing. You should have prosperity and be in a position to do that. You should be enjoying the goodness of God in the land of the living. The Bible says that I believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Are you believing to see the goodness of God in the land of the living? You're supposed to. That's what the Word says. We give in to this move of God because we love God and we support what He's doing here in Dundalk and around the world. Mark 4 and verse 26. And he said, So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should sp spring up and grow. He knoweth not how. For the earth bring forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put in the sickle, and the harvest is here. When you sow, you believe God for a harvest. We don't have to work it out. We don't have to like a farmer puts the seed in the ground and he's plowing up that field and he's putting that seed in the ground and I'm telling you, he's cheerfully doing it. Do you know why he's cheerfully doing it? Because he knows what's coming. He's done it before. And as long as the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest. 
Seed time and harvest. When you sow, you have a harvest coming. You need to expect it. Have a harvest expectation. Also, we're not only the only church in this city. I'd encourage you to pray for other churches in this town. That's evangelical. Pray for the growth of our own church. And pray for our own church. But pray for other churches that they grow. God loves unity. You know, the population of Dundalk as a town in itself is something like 67,000. That's not taken into consideration the Cooney Peninsula and all the outlying areas. This is a massive area. There's enough people in this town to fill the churches a hundred times. Don't ever worry about other churches. Get behind them. Encourage them. We are, we are, we are uh, builders of the, uh, of, of, of the kingdom of God. Jude 1 and verse 3 says, Beloved, I give, all, I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It is needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the faith, it says, which was once delivered unto the saints. The Message Bible says, I have written, insisting, begging, that you fight for everything that you have with you that you have in you for the faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and to cherish, guard and cherish the move of God, with a, with not with a grasshopper mentality, but as a child of the living God. Don't let the devil steal, kill, and destroy. Stand tall in love. Fight for your church, for the whole church on the earth. You know, many years ago probably back in the 70s, there was a lovely big Irishman called Val Dunigan, and he sung a song, Stand Tall, or Walk Tall maybe it was called, Walk Tall. We need to walk tall with our chest out, knowing that the greater one lives in us. Greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. That's who we are. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Promote unity. Promote unity in the church. The Bible says in Matthew 12, verse 25, Every kingdom divided, itself, divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. How many know a house divided against itself will not stand? Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How good it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And verse 3 it says, For there the Lord commands the blessing. Be in unity. Love the brotherhood. Love your church family. Don't let any form of strife and division in. If it's killing, stealing, and destroying, it's not God. And we need to stand against it. First Peter chapter 5. And verse 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And man, you know we're not supposed to worry. You know, people give off about people smoking and stuff like that there. Would I tell you something? Smoking's not good for you, and it will certainly be bad for your life, but worrying will kill you far faster. Do not be in a person who worries about anything. Cast your care on the Lord, for he cares for you. We cannot let worry into our life. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, 
walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfastly in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. How many of you know the Bible says that you have to resist the devil? What's that mean? Contend with him. Don't let him away with it. And the Bible promises us that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us as we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Contend for your marriage. Don't get complacent. Wives, you're the glory of your husbands. Look after yourself. Husbands, love your wives. Look after your marriage. Contend for it in the faith. The Bible says in Mark 10, verse 9, Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. I mean, in the world, separating from marriages is higher than it's ever been. I mean, if it wasn't a problem, I wouldn't be preaching about it. You need to look after your marriage. You need to contend for your marriage. You need to stand before God, bring it before God, and pray for it. Ephesians 4, verse 26, from the New Living Translation says, And don't, let, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Who wants to give the devil a foothold? Nobody. You don't want to give the devil a foothold. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down while you're still, still angry. First, first Peter 3 and verse 7 says, walk in strife in your marriage and your prayers are hindered. How many of you know the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much? And in a marriage, if two of you agree touching anything they ask, it'll be done for them of their Father which is in heaven. Contend for it. Do not walk in strife in your marriage because that will hinder your prayers. Healing has been provided for us. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 says, By whose stripes ye were healed. I mean, sickness may come against you and it may be a giant. And if you have a grasshopper mentality, it will destroy you. You have to stand against it. Resist it. Say what the Word says and rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Acts 10 verse 38 says, how God anointed Jesus with Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing some who were oppressed of the devil. No, all who were oppressed of the devil. So what was the sickness? Sickness was demonic oppression. We have to resist it, stand against it, contend for the Word of God in relation to it. Hebrews 1 and verse 3 says, Jesus was the express image of God. You want to know God's will? Look at Jesus. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John 5 verse 19, say, Jesus says, I do nothing by myself. He, only do what he, sees the, he can only do what he sees the Father do. God's will for you is to be walk in health and to live a long life. Contend for your children. Don't just sit there and let the devil steal your children. You know, the Word of God says in Proverbs 2, verse 6, train a child up in the way that, he's old, way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart. Don't let them depart. I mean, if they're departing, you stand on the Word. You bring them back. That's a promise of God. And man, you know that all the promises of God are sometimes and somehow. No, all the promises of God are yes and amen. You know, if the world comes in and if your children's doing stuff they shouldn't do, you stand on the word. You get them scriptures out and you say what the word says and don't just sit there and be like 
a sheepish person and let the devil do what he wants to do. Get a backbone, stand tall, stand against that there. Psalm 112 verse 2 says, Our seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Isaiah 54 and 13 says, All your children will be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. Glory to God. Contend for them. Contend for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. I mean, if one misses it, don't just sit there and say, Oh, I seen Billy Bob, I seen him, I know what he was doing. I got a picture of him and I put it on Facebook so everybody can see it. You know, you stand for them, you love them, you protect them, doesn't matter what they're doing. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if any, if another believer is, if a believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person into a right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. You're to help, help them, look after them, not hang out their dirty washing. Luke 15, I'm going to go to Luke 15, verse 4. And look for 15, verse 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one, does not leave the 99 and go after the one? Like, what sort of farmer is it goes into the field and one of his sheep is missing? I'll let it go there. No, I am a farmer. I know you don't do that. You know what I mean? Verse 5 says, And when he has found it, he laid it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found a sheep that was lost. I mean, if I go down the fields and I go to look for my, uh, look at my herd of cattle, the first thing I do when I'm throwing out, you know, meal on, on the track is I count them. And I mean, if I count them and one's missing, your heart sinks. I mean, the first thing you do is you run around the field to see, is that calf sick? Is it caught in the briars? Is it caught in the shuck? I mean, in the church, if you have a brother or a sister who's a problem, go after them. Love them. Bring them back. I want to encourage you to come to the prayer meeting, contend in prayer, make your time count. How many know we need to make our time count? You know, a famous football manager I come from, Ronnie McFall, a great ambassador, had marvelous achievements in, in, in County Armagh, and one of the things he used to say, don't let it pass you by. Where you are in life, you only go past this part of life one time. Enjoy this part of life. Don't let it pass you by. Contend for what you're believing God for. Jesus says in Matthew 18 and verse 19, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything you should ask, it shall be done for them as my Father which is in heaven. Be bold. When you're in a prayer meeting, praying in public, Jesus says when you pray, when you stand praying, stand up. Be bold and pray. They don't have to be eloquent prayers, but pray because the Bible says if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, it will be done for them of their Father which is in heaven. But if you can't hear what it is, how are you going to agree? You need to agree in prayer. Eloquent prayers are not necessary. Don't be sheepish or ashamed or proud. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Contend from the gospel. Let your light shine. 
Believe God. You're a believer. I often say you're a believer. Believers are allowed to believe God. The world will try and make you ashamed to believe in God. They'll try and say to you, oh, you've got to face the facts. Oh, you need to catch yourself on. Oh, you've got to screw loose. I haven't got to screw loose. I'm believing God. The promises of God are yes and amen. He watches over his word to perform it. How many know God does not sleep nor slumber? Believe God. You're a believer. Never be ashamed of what, or let the world talk you out of your faith. Hold on to your dreams and godly aspirations. Whether that's for your unborn children, for your spouse, for your marriage, or for whatever God has put in your heart, hold on and win and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I mean, have faith in God like a bulldog. How many know a bulldog what it looks like, it's not like a normal dog where its nose goes out like that. It's, it's inverted back like that there. And the thing about a bulldog is it can bite something and hold on to it forever because its nose is set back. It can breathe all day. However, if an Alsatian or something bites in something, it only bites as long as it can hold its breath. But an old bulldog can howl on all day. Howl on for a long, long time because it can still breathe. We need to hold on to what we're believing God for and not let go with bulldog faith. Hebrews 10, verse 39, in the Passion Translation, Hebrews 10, 39, in the Passion Translation, but we are certainly not of those who are held back by fear and perish. We are among those who have faith and experienced life. You know, many years ago, this is my last wee bit here, many years ago, there was a big hit in 1956, it was a lovely melody by a lady called Doris Day. And it went, Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. And it was a lovely song. But you know what? We're not que sera, sera people. We take the word of God. We just don't let the devil come in and steal, kill, and destroy. We take authority over that situation. I mean, if, but I don't feel very strong. It doesn't matter if you feel strong or not. How you feel doesn't come into it. The Bible says that you're strong in the Lord and the power of your might. The Bible says that you've been given authority. I mean, if a wee five stone or eight stone lady stood out there on, on the bypass of Dundalk here on the bridges across over the river there and she put her hand out and she had a Gyarda Shikana policewoman's uniform on. I don't care if you're coming down in a 40 ton lorry, you've got to stop. You, don't, whether she feels strong or not, she's been given that authority. You've been given authority. You're more than a conqueror. You're always win. God will always cause you to triumph. So don't be a grasshopper. Have grasshopper mentalities. I mean, commit your plans unto the Lord. The Lord will bring it to pass. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your steps. Just don't sit back and let the devil steal or talk you out of your vision. You are not a grasshopper. You know, another thing that uh, came up in the conference was we need to... At the start of the year, I give you an encouraging message, I believe, on writing your vision down and committing your year on to the Lord, which we do. But in the conference, we also got another uh, thing that we're supposed to do. We're to take the Word of God and we're to declare what the Word of God says. So I started doing that. And one of the things in my vision that hasn't happened yet is our church camp. So I wrote out a prayer the other day in relation to that. Thank you, Lord, for a great church camp. July 23, um, in, camp in July. 
Breakthrough 23 will be an amazing time. You said in your word in Psalm 37, verse 5, commit your way unto the Lord and he will bring it to pass. Jesus, you rebuked the weather and you said we could do the same and even greater works. So we, so we speak in the name of Jesus to the weather. We say weather be good, be sunny, be a perfect temperature. We'll have a lovely day surfing. Uh, we will have a tremendous fun and fellowship, football, cricket, volleyball. Thank you for ordering our steps and, being, and helping us to be led by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for uh, lives transformed, children saved, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. We bind all forms of calamity. We thank you for your protection, for delivering us from the snare of the fowler. Thank you for harmony and peace, for, a new, for new and strong friendships and relationships. We pray for Nocknamukli, Girls Brigade and Boys Brigade. Thank you there for wonderful camp too. We thank you for your word that says that iron sharpens iron. Angels, we release you because you hearken unto the voice of the Lord. Breakthrough 23 is going to be wonderful. So I want to encourage you, whatever you're believing God for, as Pastor Rusty said in the conference, write it down, put words and scriptures to it and enjoy the benefits of being a child of God and don't have a grasshopper mentality. See yourself as God sees you. So Father, we thank you for the opportunity to sow your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, it'll be an encouraging word to whoever hears it or listens to it. I thank you, Lord, we've taken ears to hear. We are not grasshoppers. We are more than conquerors. And help us, Lord, to rule and reign in life by one Christ Jesus. And we believe we will see and continue to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And we thank you for it. We're going from glory to glory and our lights getting brighter and brighter. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.